everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, joining me again this time around is uh, my good friend, Jarvis Gray. Jarvis, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, uh, Jesse. It's good to be back again. So this time, uh, we are talking about the recently shut down TV channel, G4 Canada, um, which uh, just uh, finally came to an end. Uh, it was uh, discontinued on September 1st of 2017. Um, for some people, uh, the fact that this station was even still around is likely going to come as a huge surprise, uh, since even though it has been technically running on television, um, for, uh, still for about three or four years past uh, the shutdown of its American counterpart back in 2014, you could argue it's been kind of just a zombie uh, hanging around on Canadian TV for no apparent reason. Um, uh, that said, uh, it's a you know the G- G4 Canada, which was owned by Rogers, uh, is was a very interesting channel because it characterized a lot of uh, the unique issues I would say with Canadian media. And uh, Jarvis, I understand it's a channel that you uh, have been a, were a big fan of for many years as well. Oh yeah, I was a big fan of it back in the day when it was uh, Tech TV, and I would like to uh, pour one out for that. Ah, I had to get that from the fridge, especially. <laughs> Uh, nice cold can of mug root beer, in fact. And I'm pouring this out more for Tech TV than for uh, G4. You know, important distinction. Very important distinction. Yeah, Tech TV was fantastic for the time. G4, not so much. Yeah, and they were ZD TV before that as well, right? Yeah, but uh, that was pretty short lived, and it was mostly uh, like ran episodes of CNET TV, I think, at the time. Yeah, it's a it's a channel with a very interesting history, uh, and they you know, incorporated a lot of things over the years and transformed in a lot of ways. But, you know, the reason we're talking about it is because they ran anime back in the late 2000s, uh, specifically between late 2006 and very early 2008. It was a, you know, it was a very brief period, uh, but nonetheless, it was a really big deal. It, it sort of encapsulated this brief era where it seemed like anime was showing up on a whole bunch of different networks and was a very prominent presence on Canadian TV. But you know, for a variety of reasons, the, the G4, uh, specifically the G4 Tech TV anime lineup on Canadian uh, TV continues to be one of the most strongly remembered. Oh, well, it was certainly a glorious time uh, to be watching anime on TV when uh, you're like me in 2007 and stuck with dial-up connection. Yeah, that would have been a really big deal for you, especially, because we're talking about an era where a lot of people, you know, even people in urban areas didn't necessarily have access to high speed, and, uh, you know, things like online streaming hadn't really taken off, uh, you know, legal or otherwise at that point. So if if, uh, buying physical media or torrenting anime wasn't an option for you, then having broadcast television, as weird as it seems to say this now, uh, having access to uh to anime on television was not just like a luxury or a symbol of of cultural importance but it it had a real practical value to a lot of people oh yeah and i uh i give thanks to uh that uh, g4 anime block for probably giving rise to my love of uh genion's old back catalog it's sort of a uh, long-held dream of mine to watch every anime that genion ever put out dubbed in north america Probably about 70% of the way to completing that dream. And uh, that's something we can definitely talk about a little later in the show. But uh, if, yeah, if you haven't, uh, if this isn't an issue you're particularly uh, familiar with, you might wonder why exactly anime showed up on this station. Um, so G4, as, as we 
I guess, knew it. Uh, it was actually a combination of G4 TV and Tech TV, as uh, as as we we touched on before. Um, for the stretch of time that anime aired, it was known as G4 Tech TV. The whole time the station was owned by Rogers, uh, from I think the time it was created as ZDTV to the time that it died as G4 Canada. Um, but all these different changes in branding that took place uh, was all in accordance to the the often violent transformations that that station went through uh, in the United States. And the anime actually started airing on the American version of the original Tech TV network uh, back in late 2002. It was on a program uh, on Tech TV, I I guess it was uh, Attack of the Show or something else, um, where they were talking about Fooly Cooly, which had just started airing on Adult Swim in the U.S., and there they alluded to the fact that Tech TV was going to be launching their own anime block on the station. Um, which turned out to be Anime Unleashed, uh, that uh, started just a few months later. And that featured a variety of shows uh, from both Genion and ADV films, including stuff like Serial Experiments Lane, Crest of the Stars, and Razaphon. Um, and this was a really big deal because, uh, you know, we had had some stuff in Canada like Teletoon's Late Night Anime, which had run in the late 90s. And, you know, stuff had shown up on, like, Space and in the U.S., the Sci-Fi Network uh, before. But on the Sci-Fi Network... The anime they ran in the States was usually edited and on Saturday mornings and kind of not really targeted at kids, but sort of, you know, the only way we can, the mentality seemed to be that the only way they could get the stuff on the air is if they kind of made it look like Saturday morning cartoons, even though they, you know, the the content clearly wasn't in line with that. But G4 Tech TV, or uh, the Tech TV Anime Unleashed block was sort of the second attempt where in which we saw a network um, trying to run an adult-oriented block, which I guess in a way kind of validated the concept of airing anime on TV outside of a children's television context. Um, and and uh, of course, uh, that really got Canadian fans into a tizzy because we got a version of Tech TV, but of course it wasn't going to have the anime that we wanted so badly. And this was also that frustrating period uh, after Gundam Wing had ended on YTV, but before Bionics had ended. So when we were seeing all this stuff airing on Toonami and Adult Swim and now Tech TV, and there's just, you know, none of it is washing up in the equivalent networks in Canada. And that created um, a lot of demand to get anime up here on, on the airwaves. And uh, interestingly, the Canadian version of Tech TV saw this as an opportunity to branch out because... Uh, one of the main reasons they, they, there was no anime on the airwaves, apart from the fact that I don't think there were any really big anime fans running the programming at, at Tech TV, but because they weren't able to due to regulation. Um, do, do you remember that whole sort of situation, Jarvis? I'm not sure about the, the regulation part, but I do oh boy. know, like, well, la- it doesn't count as Canadian content, therefore it's verboten. Oh, I am... I'm rubbing my hands on, on on this one. Okay, so yeah, this is your area of expertise. Yeah. So this is this is this kind of goes to the popular conception of the difference between U.S. and Canadian channels. U.S. channels are seen as a fire hose of unrestrained entertainment, while Canadian stations are often seen as simply a series of regulatory workarounds. Um, I feel that only both I feel that both of those assessments are only partially true. Um, but it kind of makes sense when you look at tech TV. So when back in like the late 90s and early 2000s, when we started to get all these specialty channels uh, 
from a regulatory standpoint, they were created under this the idea of genre protection. And the idea was that none of these stations would actually compete with each other. Each one would be allowed to focus on a certain genre or topic or area, and with the idea that if they have a total monopoly on that area, that they would be able to create Canadian content and get it on the air and kind of cover every base. Uh, a lot of the times you got original channels that focused on an area, like uh, like Teletoon was a unique Canadian brand. In the case of Tech TV, we did get a U.S.-branded station, uh, but it got the designation of tech and uh, and sort of tech and information-based programming, which is kind of weird because that's not really a genre. But as, as much as we like to regale in how wonderful the old Tech TV days are, it's kind of weird today to think of a station like Tech TV working because tech tech isn't even really a a niche anymore or is, or a, you can't even pin that down as a genre like you might have been able to back in the early 2000s um which is kind kind of makes me wonder how that station would have played out if they had never merged with G4 well the internet certainly would have killed it at some point <laughs> but it would have uh, lasted much much longer and Tech TV truly was a channel ahead of its time. I mean, it was where I went to get all my reviews of big, chunky laptops that I was never going to, in a million years, could even dream of owning. What use is the internet if you can't if you can't devote time to talking about it on TV, though? But but yeah, but Tech TV had this this designation as being like a, a tech internet uh, computer based channel, but according to their you know, their license, uh, they could not air any entertainment programming uh, or the types of entertainment programming that they could run uh, was extremely limited. Certainly not a large enough scope to allow something like anime uh, without getting penalized. Uh, yeah. And this, of well, course, we certainly had things like X-Play, and I found that more than uh, entertaining. <laughs> well, scripted content was, uh, uh, was, was the big emphasis here. Uh, and that's because... As we have since discovered, the natural impetus of any kind of specialty channel is to stray away from the specific genre that it was originally created to cater towards and dive into more general programming and uh, uh, so that they, they could broaden their audience rather than focus on specific niche audiences and, uh, and potentially gain more ad revenue or gain more money from subscribers, which is really the game when it comes to Canadian specialty channels. Because those channels don't really make that much money from, or the, the money that those channels make from advertising is pretty negligible. It's all about the subscriber fees and the money that is made by bundling those channels with other channels and feeding off of, uh, feeding off of those subscription fees that people don't necessarily want to pay. Which, uh, and it should probably, it's probably worth mentioning that our recent transition to pick and pay television where people can pick any station they want a la carte. Uh, rather than having to subscribe to large packages with lots of stations they don't want, have made stations that don't really have any viable content anymore, like G4 Canada, uh, unsustainable. But uh, we we were before this was long before that development, and still in a time when when some hopelessly clung to the idea that you could keep certain genres restrained, or you could, you could keep individual specialty channels restrained to individual genres or topics. And they fought and fought and fought to get that change made, and it and it took them until late 2006 to finally get that into play. And to put that into perspective, Anime Unleashed started in 2002. 
by the time G4 Tech TV had the go-ahead to run scripted content in Canada, the tables had kind of turned on the U.S. station. By that time, Comcast had purchased Tech TV, and it had been fully subsumed by their video game-oriented uh, channel G4. Our, the people who ran the anime block are, had basically been fired at that point, and the block as a whole was on its way out. Uh, it was an interesting time because it, like, at this key moment, uh, it seemed like this, like the Canadian station was desperate to get anime on the air, while the U.S. station was desperate to get rid of it. Um, and in in almost every way, the Canadian version of G4 Tech TV felt like it was retaining uh, the integrity of the old Tech TV, where whereas it felt the U.S. version had just completely abandoned it. And it just shows how in those four years, uh, things had really rapidly changed with the way specialty channels were going, and. Uh, G4 is certainly one of the most interesting cases of that. This is all completely uh, new to me, you know. At the time, I would have just been, like, in my late teens, uh, completely oblivious to, you know, most of this, uh, you know, going on. I I think that it was this desire to get exposure for anime that sucked a lot of Canadian fans into the world of of, uh, broadcast and media regulation. Um, again, it goes back to that idea that we we tend to see Canadian stations as like a collection of of sort of regulatory workarounds, and I think people who are fo- are really focused on fandom and and the spread of culture and 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 things like that through media in Canada have kind of developed that sense. I can't I can't speak for everyone though, um, but nonetheless, they finally got the go ahead to run anime on G4 Tech TV Canada in December of 2006. Um, unlike anime unleashed uh from four years before before uh they only managed to strike an exclusive deal with genion uh and uh adv films was not a part of this this block unfortunately um and they all they ran all the shows at 8 p.m they couldn't have picked a better show to launch with uh at the time that it launched i had just finished watching the reader die ova series (laughs) yes uh, which was easy for me to download at the time, being on dial-up, because it was only, what, three or four episodes? It was three episodes. Yep. Perfect size for dial-up. And I just happened to be scrolling through the TV at the time, and I see something called ROD the TV. And I'm thinking, ROD, that, that looks an awful lot like uh, Read or Die, but there's no way there's a Read or Die TV show. And I oh, clicked on it. Oh, you didn't even know about the TV it. show at that point. No, I did not even yeah. know at the time there was a TV show. I was, you know, still very new. I'd only yeah. just really started picking up anime about a year before mm, that yeah. through Torrents. And I see that my mind is blown. And every single day after that, I'm obsessed with, you know, catching the weekday episodes and then almost always re-watching them when they re-ran them on the weekends, you know, all the way up until the, uh, you know, the very last episode. Yeah, and the, the last episode was really interesting because uh, it's a full 30 minutes long, and actually when that show aired on Anime Unleashed in the States back in, like, 2002-2003, they actually hacked it up to fit in commercial breaks. Uh, but G4 Tech TV Canada... Uh, they, apparently they were provided with two different versions, the hacked up version that aired on tech TV in the States and the uncut version. And they just showed the uncut version, but with no advertising, which was a really cool move. I think that was, that was, uh, they, they, I think it was a great way to show that they were committed to trying 
to make this work and to make fans happy. Um, it also is a strong indicator that uh, for, for a lot of stations that have uh, lower viewership like G4 Tech TV, that the advertising uh, isn't always as important as getting that uh, that subscriber revenue. And if I recall correctly, uh, Tech TV or G4 Tech TV, most of the ads that they ran were usually for... Uh, for Rogers-based things, uh, since they were they were run by Rogers. Yeah, and Rogers was kind of a non-entity in my area. Yeah. Um, we're we're a Telus town up here. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just it's it it's still funny how they they just they'll they'll fill the time that way. And uh, yeah, Re- Reader Die I think was an interesting one to start on for a lot of people because they actually kept things like nudity in the show, which I think a lot of people weren't actually expecting. Yeah, episode five. Big old titties. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Uh, they ran it every day at, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, I guess it would have been... F- uh, no, no, it was 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time and then 5.30 p.m. Pacific, and they, they blasted yeah. through it, and then they would devote a lot of time on the weekends to, to running through uh, all the episodes they had run that week as well. So, I mean, it was, it was well covered in the schedule, and they devoted a lot of time to making sure people could catch it. Oh, yeah, and I was certainly uh, tuning in, because, like I said, being with dial-up internet, the only, you know, easy way to, you know, get my daily fix was, uh, you know, catching it at 5.30. So, yeah, it, it was interesting, because uh, they started running Reader Die the TV almost exactly the same time that uh, Razor, which was run by the fledging chum at the time, uh, started running anime as well. They They started showing a bunch of stuff from Funimation. Uh, including, I was wondering when you were yeah. going to bring Razor into this. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's just so funny because Tech TV fought so long to get their license amended so they could run anime and be like, or, or to be the big anime um, broadcaster in Canada. And in that time, both y, YTV and Razor swooped in and started their own blocks with, with Razor just beating them to the punch by, I think, weeks when they started running Basilisk and uh, Trinity Blood and, and and a few other shows. Uh, and later in that and later in the year, Cowboy Bebop and, and Samurai Champloo, which in my opinion, uh, basically means that Razor had the better lineup overall. Um, but yeah, ooh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Trinity Blood. It, it takes a hit just for that. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, nonetheless, uh, Tech TV had a you know a better Late, uh, they had a better strategy for unveiling their anime because you know they had enough time to think about it, of course. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why that block is is better remembered. And I'm always surprised by the number of people I run into who remember the block or follow the block because uh, it obviously doesn't get as much you know attention as something like Bionics. But uh, I, I'm surprised it stuck with people so much over the years. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I'm looking like as part of my notes here, the Wikipedia page for Anime Current. And taking an interesting note of it, it seems much better curated than the American segment for uh, Anime Unleashed. You, you, anime you mean the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page itself? Yeah, the uh, Anime oh, yeah. Unleashed one can't even be bothered to list the shows in the, <laughs> uh, in the order that they aired. Jarvis, it is worth noting, though, that that Anime Current page on Wikipedia is not an accurate source of information. Somebody went in there, or a few people went in there, and they added a whole bunch of shows that never aired. In fact, this is, this is a trend that I I note- had a feeling. I can yeah. tell. I, I will tell you right now, uh, without looking, which ones were added. Yeah, um, I, and I, and just so you know, I removed a few of them a couple years ago. Someone had added like Wolf's Reign and Fooly Cooly and a couple others on there. It's funny that people 
insist on that kind of revisionist history all the time. I see, I see, I've seen this happen on other Wikipedia pages as well. People, it's like, it's almost like people are writing fan fiction about how they think the block should have, should have went. Oh, I was going to say, is this the whole like Sinbad was in uh, Kazam thing all over again? <laughs> it, it's Shazam, Jarvis. Ah, shit. There goes my <laughs> 90s cred. No, just looking at this list, I can tell they never aired uh, Le Portrait de Petit Cosette. They did not. No way was nope. that ever in that channel block. Nope. Uh, but the, when when the ROD of the TV did finish, they, they followed that up with Gadgard. That's one of the few shows in the block that I watched about half of it, mm-hmm. and then something about that show just did not click with me, and it just slipped out of my brain. I've always meant to go back and you know, finish it, you know, start to finish, uh, just to round out the list. Mm-hmm. But I'm much more interested in the next show that they aired. Uh, yeah, Tenjo Tenge? Absolutely. Oh. I enjoyed it right up into the part that it kind of went up its own ass in uh, in a never-ending flashback. That flashback took up most of the show, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And I was like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> For pretty much the entire run, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's nice. That's nice. Okay, can we get to uh, to the fight after the after the bowling alley? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. It, it, it and, adapted a very small part of the actual manga, from, from what I recall. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it had a... I remember distinctly having a very kind of nothing ending that was resolved in, what, a uh, uh, later OAV? Um, I'm not, I think I got an OVA or OAV at some point. Um, did, did the manga ever really conclude? I think it eventually did. I would have to check, uh, Baka updates for that. Well, I mean, Viz, Viz put it out too. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah, there was that whole debacle when CMX was releasing the manga and they, uh, for some reason insisted on censoring it down to like a 13 plus, uh, level. Um... Which was one of the uh, many signs that that company was not really in touch with what people wanted. Um, and uh, but uh, Viz of all people actually wound up relicensing it, and they uh, they're releasing those big double volumes. I think those are still coming out right now. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it uh, wrapped up in twenty two volumes. No, oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, the next show that aired after Tenjo Tenge was Gunsword. Uh, and now I I never watched Gunsword, but I do. Remember the first time I went to SakuraCon back in uh, in 2006. This show was everywhere. Um, this was one of those shows that desperately wanted to be the next Cowboy Bebop on American TV and was like pushed to be that type of show, but never actually really wound up on a station that anybody got. Uh, but it did show up on Tech TV Canada. Oh, and what a glorious show it was! Yeah? From the uh, from the peerless uh, mind of uh, Goro Taniguchi, who I will say a very uh, <laughs> controversial thing now is I think Goro Taniguchi is a better director than uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, it, you know, it really depends on what you're looking for. Uh, I'm looking for the serious and I'm looking for the silly, and that man can deliver both in spades. Yeah, and if you're not, if you're not familiar with him, he did go on to direct Code Geass uh, just a few years later. Absolutely, and uh, Planets. Oh yeah, he did do he did do he did do that, didn't he? He also did. Uh, uh, he, I think he did Scryde too, which is Scryde is one that showed up yep. on Adult Swim, but never uh, never made it up to TV here. 
No, he did uh, Scryde. He also uh, did uh, Infinite Rivius, which is another show I uh, quite enjoy. Oh, he did Maria the Virgin Witch, too. Yep. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a great Raid, show. Wait. That was a great show. Yeah, he also did Active uh, Raid, which is a show I don't hear anybody talking about, unfortunately. I made it about two episodes into that one. <laughs> uh, it has very pretty character designs. Uh, that's I, I didn't really see much else going on there. But granted, I, I guess at two episodes, I didn't really give it a fair chance. Yeah, he's a guy that, considering you know what he's done, I don't know how he isn't just neck deep in work. I'm sure he has something in the pipeline we're going to be seeing soon. I don't know what, but probably something. <laughs> yeah. So after Gunsword was another big one, uh, Trigun. Ah, uh, Trigun. Yeah. This is uh, this is one that I think arrived on TV a little too late. I don't know. Tri- Trigun's a it's a fun show, and it has a, it has a really great dub. I think we all love Johnny Young Bosch and his uh, premiere performance as Vash the Stampede. Um, and you know, the, especially the early episodes are a lot of fun. I don't think it really is quite the A title that uh, that people saw it as back in the day, though. Ah, well, the truly good things will uh, stick around, and everything else will get sorted out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Trigun has in, has endeared. Uh, it has endeared quite a bit. Um, I and you know we got we got the movie a few years ago and I I actually uh, like the movie a lot better than the series mainly because I found that it captured the Trigun that we remember rather than the Trigun that actually was mm. or at least it captured yeah. the, the the elements of the show that I liked and with much better animation. Uh, well, it's certainly stuck around in some people's minds. My sister just got a, a bunny rabbit a couple weeks ago and she immediately wanted to call it Vash. It's a good but, name for a bunny. Uh, we talked her down. We talked her down from that cliff. What did she wind up naming the bunny? Oh, Bueno, I believe. Oh. <laughs> um, I, re- I recall also when Trigon was running on G4, it had a lot of weird aspect ratio problems. They couldn't seem to just air it in the proper 4x3. It was it was crunched down into uh, into widescreen and, and window boxed. Uh, perhaps you could answer this for me, because mm-hmm. at the time I didn't watch it because I'd already... Uh, you know, seen it on a torrent. Yeah. But did they do the thing that the DVDs did where it only had the one opening? I believe it only had the one opening. Uh, I think... Okay, um, yeah. must be because they were uh, probably working from those DVDs. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I, I know that... I think there was one release of Trigun where they actually restored the opening uh, so that it showed, like, the different villain of the week in the in the opening for each episode i'm not sure which release that was uh i can't remember if it was that release came out of uh jenny on or funimation um i guess i think it may have been like the very last uh um, if i had to guess i would imagine it was probably funimation yeah maybe i, I doubt jenny on would give a crap enough to go Re- back really i think i think that funimation is like the worst when it comes to uh, preserving credits and, and stuff like that, but it, it's really a case by case kind of thing, uh, which you know suggests a quality control. Well, issue. it's but, a question of what Jenny on at the time have had the money to do it. Uh, yeah, that that's another thing that, that that's probably worth uh, pointing out is what uh, I, I mentioned that. Uh, oh, we'll get to what yeah. happened to Jenny. On. It's yeah, uh, and uh, it's also worth pointing out. I know uh, the 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 block that ran on G4 Tech TV was called Anime Current. That actually hadn't started yet. Um, the shows that we're discussing right now aired before that branding showed up. Um, and there was one other show that aired before they made the switch over to 
anime current where they they changed up the lineup a bit so instead of doing one show at a time they would run multiple shows across different days and that show was lupon the third uh now it's worth pointing out this is this was the second series of lupon the third uh the one that uh red jacket red jacket lupon it aired on adult swim a few years before this broadcast and uh the canadian broadcast actually aired more of it Uh, i think that the american broadcast cut off at episode 26 because uh, it did not really do well in the ratings and lupon the third on canadian tv also did not do very well in the ratings uh but they still uh, but they actually licensed 52 episodes of it for g4 tech tv and they actually aired aired all of it uh they 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 stuck by it and and ran through the whole thing uh which was pretty cool Well, if you paid for it you better stick by it there's a bit of a funny story behind that um so i know that when they were running the, the people who were running the anime uh lineup on g4 tech tv they they were not super knowledgeable about anime and the reason i know that is because i was actually regularly in contact uh with the head of programming at g4 at the time who was hayden mindell i, I called him on the phone like uh once every every other week or a couple times a month or something because i was a huge nerd who had nothing better to do he uh, and he's actually now the uh, vice president of television programming for for Rogers as a whole. Um, actually, maybe I sh- I actually still have him on LinkedIn. Maybe I should have gotten him to come on this show, and he could have he could have shared more insight. I, I doubt he'd have time with a with a position like that. But in any case, uh, he would he would often ask me questions just kind of as reassurance that they had made good programming decisions a lot of the time. Um, and I and he actually asked me at one time if if he th- if I thought that Lupin the Third was a good choice to show, and I told him that. I thought I liked Lupin the Third a lot, but it probably wouldn't be a good idea to air 52 episodes of it because I don't think that uh, that audiences would really, or, or the, you know, more general audiences would really uh, be taken by it. And it, yeah, it, it didn't work out too well, and and it's a big reason why after Lupin the Third ended, they kind of re-strategized and created a new branded block that. Uh, presented shows in a different format did, did you catch all of lupon on uh, on g4 oh i can assure you i tuned in like a rabid dog <laughs> every uh day for lupin the third and which is surprising considering it was my first exposure to it i'd always known about lupin but um again dial-up internet torrents wasn't very easy in 2007 to get uh you know subtitled episodes of lupin the third so to be able to get, you know, 26 episodes dubbed, uh, absolutely I tuned in to watch that. Yeah, what did, what, what's your opinion of the Loop on the Third dub? They punched it up a lot with modern references, uh, despite the fact that uh, it was a show very clearly of the 1970s. And I, I, I'm almost certain that that was a uh, mandate by uh, TMS. I often get the impression that they think they know better about appealing to American audiences than Western distributors do. Well, it's certainly my favorite dub for Lupin the Third. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, Tony Oliver oh, as yeah. Lupin and Richard Epcar as, uh, yeah, as Jigen. Yeah, it's the best cast uh, for sure, and I'm glad they brought them back for Part Four. Oh yeah. If you want to watch the Lupin the Third Part Four dub, it's on. Uh, it is on Funimation.com. All right. Well, tell me what else is on the list. Now that I know that I can't trust uh, the list in front of me, I've got to go by what you've got. I sent you another list that has all the stuff that I know oh, for sure ran. Oh, that list. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then. Um, yeah, after Loop on the Third ended, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, there was a bit of a hiatus. Uh, but Anime returned shortly after uh, under the block, which was branded as Anime Current. Uh, they put some slick ads together. 
Uh, I think there weren't a lot of them, and they ran the few that they made over and over again. Um, oh, I know. A, That's yeah. how I saw that same shot of uh, the woman from Ergo Proxy holding that shotgun at arm's length over and over yeah. and over again. It's it's such a good shot, though. I mean, how can you not use that one? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a it was a it was a you know they they put effort into it. It was a it was a pretty slick presentation. Um, and they uh they started with uh with five different shows which ran. Uh, different days of the week. Um, they had Ergo Proxy was one of them, of course. Uh, and uh, Ergo Proxy is an interesting show. It's actually um, Ergo Proxy was directed by uh, the same director as uh, Witch Hunter Robin, uh, who is uh, uh, Shuko Murase, uh, and it was uh, written by Dai Sato. And it is like the most Dai hey, Sato Witch Hunter thing. Robin, also a show we got on YTV. Yes, that was, uh, well, what's neat about uh, Witch Hunter Robin on YTV is that it, I think it had a bigger impact here than it did in the States, because um, it was the first kind of show of its kind that we saw run on a station like YTV, and I think it made a strong impression on people. Um, I don't know if how much of that interest carried over to uh, G4 Tech TV's airing of Ergo Proxy, uh, because, you know, for, for all its... You know, for all his problems, Witch Hunter Robin is a fairly accessible show. Ergo Proxy was marketed oh, like... Oh, I don't a... know about that. <laughs> I didn't get into Witch Hunter Robin until I got the box set, because yeah. I tried catching a random episode of it on YTV, and couldn't get my bearings Rel- rel- Relatively accessible. Um, whereas you have something like Ergo Proxy, which on the surface is marketed like a very accessible show, but it is not. Uh, it is not accessible at all. I, I found it to be a real slog when I when I uh, when I watched through it the first time, and I mean the animation quality just nosedives basically from episode two. Um, the thing the thing that always bothered me about this show was how Vincent, who is like effectively perhaps even he he's probably more the main character than Riel was um, in that show, and he 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 shows up in episode two, but by episode two the animation quality had dropped so much that when vincent is introduced he's not on model we're not introduced to an on model version of the character in fact i think it's not until almost the end of the series that we actually see vincent the way he's supposed to look um so i mean it's a pretty janky well production. you know they gotta save all that budget for uh, riel's makeup yeah <laughs> this is very much an episode where in terms of animation quality all all of the resources went into the first and last episodes. Um, most of the show is philosophical navel gazing. They made like also weird sci-fi references to to things like Douglas Copeland books, which I'm kind of curious. I I would be kind of curious to go back and watch the show again to see if you know now that I am a, uh, a an MA graduate and understand. I guess a lot of this type of stuff better to see if I get more out of the show the second time around. Um, I still think a lot of its pacing problems are unforgivable. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting interesting show for sure. No, certainly. And if there's one thing anime likes to do, it's reference, uh, you know, deep cut Western sci-fi authors. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Cord Wayne Smith. <laughs> So what were your what are your thoughts on uh, on Last Exile, which was uh, another one of the shows that kicked off Anime Current? I think Last Exile was actually the fourth show I ever torrented, and uh, I got a lot of love for it. I uh, got a lot of love for uh, Gonzo Studio in general, even though most of their shows get pretty much panned by everybody. I think Last Exile was one of their 
most well-received shows. I mean, it's a real slick production. I still feel that uh, it, it kind of falls into that uh, that trap uh, that you see a lot of shows in the early 2000s falling into, where they get so wrapped up in uh, in, in things like, like aesthetics or... World building. Yeah, in aesthetics and world building that... They just don't. They're just. There's just no attention is given to actually making the show kinetic or engaging, um, or really well paced at all. Uh, it, it seemed like like th- those were just not priorities for so many shows in the 2000s, especially a lot of the Genion titles. And you know, Last Exile was better than a lot of those types of shows. And you know the you know the production qualities were really great and it held itself together. But I I, I really found it hard to stay interested in it for most of the run. Ah, oh, but it was so worth it when that Captain Harlock stand-in guy uh, broke that woman's neck with one hand at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, the, uh, the 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 guy that uh, that Crispin Freeman played, right? Yep, that's one. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I watched it subtitled, and I hadn't heard the dub. But when I saw that character, my reaction was, "I'll bet Crispin Freeman plays this guy in the dub," and he totally did. Uh, one of the other shows that kicked it off was, in my opinion, the best show that aired uh, on G4 Tech TV and one of my favorite anime TV shows of all time, Paranoia Agent. And, you know, I am so happy uh, that G4 uh, Tech TV picked up anime, if only uh, so they could expose this show to a bigger audience. Um, I do understand from from what I've heard uh, from from various interviews with people at Genion that airing Paranoia Agent on television in the States, in the U.S. and Canada, never actually did anything to improve disc sales, which is incredibly depressing. I mean, those discs eventually sold, uh, which which we know based on how uh, how expensive those uh, those sets are now since uh, Satoshi Kon tragically yeah. passed away back in 2010. Well it's, well, it's easy to sell out of discs when you only make one printing. Yeah, and uh, and Paranoia Agent, one of the uh, few shows from Genion that's still not licensed rescued and still uh, in limbo. Yeah, I wonder about that. That's got to come to Blu-ray eventually, sometime. I, I, I bet someone's sitting on it. I it, it almost feels like you know someone just snatched up all the Satoshi Kon stuff that was available and is just sitting on it now and won't let anyone else have it, which is infuriating. This stuff should be available uh, for for people to buy. But uh, man, Paranoia Agent is an amazing show, and it really it holds up fantastically. I, I, I can't think of very many other anime TV series that blend the sort of cinematic approach with like like real hard with with real hard um, social commentary that uh, doesn't have this veneer of of just anime goofiness. I don't know. I think if it ever it did at times, but it used it more like a scalpel. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it for sure. <laughs> I, I, this show also had some technical problems when it was running on uh, on G4 Tech TV as well. Um, there's one episode, Happy Family Planning. Is that the one where they're they're ghosts? Well, I mean that's a spoiler, but it's about the three pe- <laughs> the, the, the three people who are trying to commit suicide throughout the episode, and uh, or they yep. they meet on that's the internet the and have a suicide pack, and then it turns out at the end that they had already died at a certain point. It's it's a really interesting episode, and and it plays more into the overall theme of the show than you might expect because it kind of sets up that idea that there's a collective conscious uh among people in the series 
even though it initially comes off the total filler episode. But uh, there, there's numerous scenes with people posting in the in the forums and texting each other, uh, and all that on-screen text is untranslated in the version that aired on on G4 Tech TV. I know uh, there was a similar problem when it ran on Adult Swim, but uh, I know the, in the repeats they managed to get a um, a version that had this, all that text subtitled. Uh, but G4 Tech TV never did, so that's really unfortunate that the the one airing of, of Paranoia Agent in Canada was kind of uh, undermined by that, by a problem like that. Uh, but still, uh, still awesome that it, that it showed up. I hope, uh, I hope, I hope at least, uh, I hope some people discovered the show uh, through through that airing. Well, I certainly uh, found it, although I think I downloaded it by that time. And funny enough, uh, my sister, you know, I, I showed it to her. She would have been like 12 or 13 at the time. And, uh, it affected her enough that she actually went for Halloween as Little Slugger. Oh, nice! I approve. Yeah, she got she got some rollerblades. She got a red hat, uh, and she spray painted a wooden baseball bat gold colored. I I am so happy to hear that. That's like the yeah some yeah that's awesome. Yeah, she did not. <laughs> give a shit that uh, no one absolutely no one would get it but uh, just purely for her own enjoyment good stuff good stuff uh so another show that kicked off the block was uh serial experiments lane which is uh definitely a show that was a- simultaneously ahead of its time uh but also extremely dated in in a number of ways um it's interesting. Uh, I just what, one reason we we had to delay recording this episode was because the final episode of the new uh, Twin Peaks series just aired last Sunday, and uh, it it completely fried my brain. It was almost impossible to focus on on doing an episode like this of the podcast with with that at the front of my mind. Um, but a lot like through a lot of that show, I couldn't help but feel how similar it was to a show like. Like Lane, the character of Philip Jeffries in particular, who is the character who was played by David Bowie in the Twin Peaks movie, and then, but he, David Bowie died before he was able to film his scenes in the new series, so they just depicted him as a giant tea kettle. But I, I, if if you've seen uh, the Twin Peaks movie in the new series, uh, I really feel that Philip Jeffries feels like a character who is straight out of Serial Experiments Lane, which is appropriate because Serial Experiments Lane is definitely a show that was one of those late 90s, early 2000s anime that was very clearly influenced by Twin Peaks. It's it's just, uh, it's it's so weirdly subversive, not just in the way it deals with technology, but just in the way it deals with, you know, scripted television in general. Yeah, it's a show I've seen twice, both of them with the dub. I think I could give a pretty good, like, summation to somebody who'd never seen it before. But it's been like 10 years now since I last saw it. And, uh, you know, it would it takes a bit to get through. And you you could you'd be hard pressed to find something that fit more like hand in glove with the with, uh, with the tech TV, you know, uh, with the tech TV aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Serial Experiments Lane was like the show that uh that that uh, that justified running the anime unleash block to begin with. There's aren't that many other shows that have a well, whatever. That's that's enough about that. <laughs> Lane is too complicated to talk about for a small segment in in a in yes, an episode focus, in, in right a multifaceted along. episode like this. Uh, so which is why we'll move right on to Technolize. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, yeah. 
Do you have anything you know, to this say is, about Technolodge? This is still this is a crunchy, crunchy jawbreaker. I have not broken into yet. Yeah. Uh, I'll it, get to it someday. Yeah, I I have seen not ju- now. I have seen just a little bit. I have seen just enough of it to know that it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> this show is going to be a lot to take in. I it's on my uh, my ever so shrinking list of uh, physical media backlog of anime. I need, I need to get to it. I probably should have tried to watch a couple episodes before uh, we recorded yeah, it's this. It's funny but... if you if you look at the uh, at this list. You know, we go from Tenjo Tenge, Gunsword, Trigun, Loop in the Third, and then right in the middle, Bam, Bam, Bam. <laughs> <laughs> got Ergo Proxy, Paranoia Agent, Lane, Techno Lies. You know, I think you know Holy what I think. Shit. I think this initial lineup may have been based off of conversations that I had with Hayden uh, when he was trying to gather ideas for how to how to format the block. Maybe he he took my my opinions on uh, on focusing on this kind of content a little a little a little yeah. too funny, a little too strong. Because at, once Techno Lies ends, uh, you can see uh, you know we we're out of that territory into into something completely different. Yeah, uh, Tokyo Underground and Three by Three Eyes, I think, were were two of the next shows to come up. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that I may have never seen Technolize. I sure as hell saw Tokyo Underground. <laughs> uh, what what were your what were your thoughts on Tokyo Underground? It exists, <laughs> and it has a good old fashioned Vancouver dub. Oh, it does. I I actually was not aware of that. I yeah, didn't... it's a uh, yeah, no, it's got a good old uh, Ocean Studios uh, dub. Who's Brad Swale is the uh, main character. Nice. It's always heartwarming to know that those are those exist. Actually, I don't think Tokyo Underground is uh, in print in any form. So. Oh hell no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no one really seems to care about that one. Uh, I, I don't think it uh, it made a strong impression on a lot of people. Yeah. Three by Three Eyes is one that I did not see. Uh, again, on my list, yeah. I'll get to it. I, I do know that Greg Wiseman, the co-creator of uh, of Gargoyles and uh, the guy behind Spectacular Spider-Man and Young Justice, he directed the dub for Three by Three Eyes, which is you know, <laughs> which I always found interesting because it's not what he usually uh, is not what he usually does. And uh, yeah, so we're near the end of the list of the of the stuff that aired on on Tech TV. Unless I missed something, I think I, I may have missed a couple titles. Um, I, I I should take this opportunity to point out that um, back around this time that this was airing, which was sort of like the golden age burgeoning time for anime on North American TV, Brian Hansen was doing an article uh, was doing a column for Anime News Network called The Click, and I and that column has proven to be a lifesaver because when i went back and read those entries that he uh that he did compiling everything that aired he, he didn't only compile what was airing on american tv he compiled what was airing on canadian tv which you know for him would have been a monumental task that uh i don't think a lot of us appreciated that much at the time but going back man it is so great that he was able to to sort of capture what was going on in that era because when i read those those entries that he ran for um what was going on in anime current at the time, like all the context of what was going on in that block just flooded back into my mind. Uh, it was great. Go if you if you want nostalgia for what was going on back in the, the late 2000s. If you if, if you're one of those people who just can't let it go, uh, go back and read his column, uh, the click. It's a oh, uh, good memory. Oh, I don't even need to go read it now because I was reading it at the time he was writing it. Oh yeah. Oh well, I mean, uh, if you want a nostalgia kick now, you can go you can go back and check it out. It's yeah, all there. The uh uh the the thing I 
remember most vividly uh, from reading that column was that wasn't Chrono Crusade on like stars or something? Yeah, stars in in the states. Yeah. Uh, that's about like the only thing I remember. Oh, and I remember him uh, making a huge deal out of the fact that um, uh, Spirited Away got played on CBC. I remember, yeah, C- CBC aired uh, Spirited Away and uh, chopped out and- 30 minutes of it. <laughs> oh, what a fucking travesty that yeah. was! Yes, oh, that's something I don't like talking about. <laughs> it was, it was so, it was so disheartening, especially since. Uh, getting CBC to air anime continues to be a hill that I am determined to die on. But uh, we don't we don't have to talk about that today. <laughs> yeah, charge bravely onto that hill. Uh, Requiem from the Darkness. Yes. Yes. Um, I've seen the first three episodes of it. Keep meaning to go back to it. Maybe I'll save it for Halloween. Uh, marathon the rest of it. Decent little show. One of the few sort of uh horror anthology animes that exists yeah a a bit of a weird out of place choice for for this block but uh you know well i I wonder if you could look through um uh look through and see what month it was airing it could have been right for the time yeah maybe i have to double check that and i am too lazy to do that right now Uh, (laughs) fair enough and uh, that brings us Uh, to the last new show that um that ran on the block, because uh, I think everything after this was all reruns. And that was Black Lagoon. And, uh, oh man, um, it, it's unfortunate that, that Anime Current ended after this, but what a note to go out on. Um, definitely the best, I think one of the best dubs that uh, that Ocean Studios produced. Uh, oh yeah. No question. Going out on another Ocean's dub. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is that uh, th- this highlighted another problem that happened with Tech TV, is that the station is kind of – even at this point, even when they were, like, putting effort into something like an anime block, the station was largely on autopilot in a lot of ways, especially with the way that they handled things like uh, like scheduling and ratings. Black Lagoon aired at the same time as the other stuff did at 8.30 p.m., so before Watershed. Um, they made some a couple attempts to edit some of the language, uh, but it was futile because uh, – the 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 f bombs uh, flowed freely on the air on that show, and it actually, uh, despite well, the fact I could, that I can imagine a few strategically placed beeps even enhancing it a little bit. Maybe, yeah. I, I think I, I noticed that they tried to beep dialogue in a couple episodes, but it was but they just forgot to bleep the majority of fucks, so it was completely pointless. And it still aired with an eighteen plus, or no, it aired with a PG rating. Uh, I think a couple times they tried to get an 18 plus rating on, and this is something that I uh, that I emphasized to uh, to the programming team when when I was in contact with them is that make sure that you rate you run an 18 plus rating on Black Lagoon, and they usually didn't. Um, not that it was ever an issue, because of course not enough people were watching G4 Tech TV Canada to possibly care about the fact that Black Lagoon was running with a PG rating before Watershed. Um, but uh, but there it was uh, in 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 all its glory. Uh, certainly more uncensored than it aired in the states. Even though they you know by the time it aired in the states on uh, on Adult Swim, it was pretty much they were they were pretty much able to show it intact except for the uh, the the f bombs, which I guess is still a significant <laughs> significant part of the uh, the dub. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really cool having that on the air. Uh, not too long after 
uh, the the dub was completed as well, if I recall correctly. Oh yeah, and it's uh, I'm looking at my uh, first season like singles discs of Black Lagoon on my shelf right now. It certainly helped uh, to sell me on the show. Okay, I, I guess we should point out why <laughs> why Anime Current ended, uh, and it was be it was due to the demise of Genion uh, in late 2007. Uh, ah yes, so you had to get to that. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, Genion uh, was no more, and uh, along with Genion went their sole distribution deal for anime. And apparently, they tr- they tried to look into some other content, but nobody else could cut them as good a deal as Genion uh, was willing to in getting that content out there. Apparently, they had plans to air Helsing Ultimate as well uh, at some point, but uh, that never materialized for some reason. I guess Genion went under before they were able to get materials to them or something like that. That would have been a weird airing because it would have only been like what three episodes. I I think it was four, maybe four at that point. Um, ah, yeah. No, in two thousand eight. Uh, okay, yeah. maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was also a factor. They felt that it wasn't worth making the extra effort to get their hands on it since it was incomplete and would remain incomplete for uh, another eight years. Uh, <laughs> I do recall they ran those Helsing Ultimate commercials a hell of a lot. They used footage. They did have some footage from from Helsing Ultimate, which they which they which they spliced yeah, into their may- ads. But the show never actually showed up on the block. Okay, maybe yeah. that was just it. I saw it in their ad bumpers. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I, I you know, it's not clear what happened there, but uh, that was uh, that was planned to be the follow up to Black Lagoon, and it and it never happened. Um, I think they just ran. Reruns. It's a shame they couldn't have put just regular Helsing out. Yeah, maybe they could have. Um, that one never showed up on Canadian TV, if I recall correctly. But uh, yeah. that just never. I certainly would have swapped Tokyo Underground out for Helsing. Yeah, <laughs> some uh, some some strange decisions with uh, with some of the the, sh- the shows they picked up, but I think it was uh, any any oddities were definitely offset by the by the stronger choices that they made. But yeah, after anime ended, they G4 Tech TV remained committed to running some um, some other scripted content. Uh, li- most notably was their a- adult digital distraction block, which uh, where they licensed a bunch of Adult Swim titles after Teletoon. Um, fell into their into their uh, default uh, default position of not caring about them. There was a very notable incident where uh, they continued to run most of this content with like early in the day with a PG rating, uh, including the incredibly violent Super Jail. Um, Darwin O'Connor, who oh shit, that's where I saw Super Jail. Yeah, I was trying to think of like what shows were these that were on, and now you've triggered ah shit. I do remember Super Jail How running can you forget on there now. Super Jail. Um, uh, Darwin O'Connor, who used to uh, contribute some stuff to the Zon in Canada boards, and I think he still pops around. I miss Bionics and uh, and a couple other places. Uh, he he made he did an interesting experiment where he actually um, submitted a complaint to the CBSC uh, over Super Jail airing with a PG rating on G4 Tech TV. Uh, he wasn't actually outraged by it. He just wanted Dark. to see what would happen. Uh, and because uh, he just wanted to see, and the, apparently the process took almost a full year, and they fully assess and they assessed it, and uh, and found that the show absolutely should have aired with an 18 plus rating. Um, I don't think, and you know, the CBS, the, the CBSC is completely, uh, the CBSC is, com- as we discussed in the Power Rangers episode of this podcast uh, a little while ago, is completely toothless and can't actually do anything 
Uh, but uh, I think G4 was able to basically get away with the explanation that it was a technical error, which it technically was because they just didn't weren't paying attention to uh, to how they were administering things like ratings because they traditionally didn't have to worry about that uh, due to the tech nature of their content. Uh, but hey, they wanted to get into scripted content, so I mean, I, I guess I can't Man. defend them over that. Man, and all this time I thought we were just cooler, and now you tell me it was bureaucratic laziness. When it comes to Canadian television, don't attribute to coolness or innovation what you can attribute to uh, bureaucratic oversights. <laughs> also, another thing that they aired uh, was the the IT crowd, which was actually the first the first time I was exposed to that show. I didn't like it at first, but uh, I went back and watched it a few years later, and uh, I, I I quite enjoyed it. I I do think that Black Books is the uh, the better Grand Lineum show, but. Uh, you know, it, it, it mm-hmm. was it was I think that was actually the North American premiere of uh, of the IT crowd on uh, on on G4 Tech TV Canada. Again, good fit for the uh, channel. Uh, and now that you're dredging up all these uh, long lost memories, I am remembering now that uh, we also got Code Monkeys. Yes, they did run Code Monkeys on there as well. I have nothing to say about Code Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember liking it at the time. And my sisters enjoyed it as well, but whether it holds up or not is uh, something to be determined. Uh, yeah. Well, I am not going to determine it. I, I, I am okay with leaving leaving Code Monkeys in the in in the in, in the ether. I guess uh, one thing you also wanted to discuss was uh, what what do you think were big missed opportunities on G4 Tech TV? I guess we've already kind of touched on this with with things like Helsing. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I Assu- thought we assuming... were going to discuss. Uh, what was the one show that, uh, like, what was the one Jenny yeah. on title that uh, that you wish could have made it on? Okay. Just sticking with Jenny on's back catalog. If you if you can pick one show um, that could that could have aired on Anime Current, what would you have picked? Yeah, if I could have had one show to the list, it would have been Kamichu. Kamichu? Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, I've seen uh, just a little bit of it. Yeah, fantastic show. It's uh. It's almost like Ghibli-esque in like its themes, and uh, it's another fantastic dub from the same studio that did the Read or Die uh, TV dub, and uh, you know I put it in probably like top ten, one of the best dubs you know ever made for a TV anime. Oh, well, that is quite a high endorsement, and I know you you know your dubs well, Jarvis. Um, if I were to pick one show that I wish could have run on Anime Current, it would absolutely be The Legend of Black Heaven, one of the most underappreciated uh, titles in the Genion library, in my opinion. Um, if you're not familiar with Legend of Black Heaven, you may have seen a clip oh, on... Oh, I've the... seen it. Oh, I, I know you have, Jarvis. I was addressing the audience. Um, ah. Which I guess I, I should have made clearer. Um, if you haven't heard of Legend of Black Heaven, you may have seen a clip on YouTube of like this... Uh, uh, of this big black guy with a v- extremely inappropriate voice. So that that's actually from The Legend of Black Heaven. It's it's a pretty janky show at times, and you know that scene illustrates that pretty well. But I, I think it's a really neat little comedy. Uh, it's about a salaryman who used to be in a rock band, 
some aliens come down and abduct him and uh they realize that a song that he played back in his uh in his rock days is required to power uh one of their weapons in an intergalactic war so he has to uh get the band together to power uh to power alien weapons and uh i like it a lot hits hits the right chords for me didn't that run on uh on adult swim late night nope Uh, that one never ran on tv anywhere ah that makes sense Yeah, that's a good show. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess looking at the, the block overall, I think uh, one of the things we should maybe discuss is how does Anime Current, or we'll expand it, how does G4 Tech TV's anime lineup stack up with uh, with what we saw on other stations, like uh, specifically Bionics or, uh, or Razor's Kamikaze blog? Uh, well, I can speak a little bit to Bionics. And Bionics had a fantastic lineup, as I'm sure you're well aware. Things like Ghost in the Shell, uh, 10 episodes of uh, the Case Closed dub. They, they aired 20 episodes of Case Closed. It, that, oh, man, that was, I only saw 10. They moved it to midnight uh, after a certain point. I sh- it's worth pointing out that Case Closed was the one show on Bionics where they did not air all the episodes they licensed. They bought 26 and only aired 20. Uh, but I think it was it was a package deal with Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, uh, yes, another show that, uh, oh man, that Full Metal Alchemist, uh, airing, uh, was so good. Uh, that was appointment, you know, TV for me. And that was a one-two punch with Gundam Seed and, uh, and Full Metal Alchemist. But, uh, yeah, no, Bionics, fantastic lineup, but honestly, for, you know, adult shows with adult themes, you really can't beat the anime current lineup, like, at all, I don't think anything can even touch it for that. Yeah, it was. De- yeah, you're right. It was definitely a much more adult lineup for sure. And you know, one of the things about Bionics, even if it had kept going, it still felt like we wouldn't have seen a lot of the stuff that showed up on like other networks, like Adult Swim, on there. Like I could, I, I, I couldn't see something like Blood Plus showing up on, on, on Bionics or anything comparable. Yeah, to... but we did get Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. That was and, an ex- uh... that was that was an exception. Yeah, I, I, jeez, I watch the reruns of uh, Standalone Complex every time, hoping against hope that uh, we would get second gig, but we never did. We never did. Yeah, I eventually had to uh, shell out something like $300 for the single, uh, you know, DVDs for that show back before box sets were a thing. And uh, based on the quality of the uh, the Blu-ray release that we got from Anchor Bay recently, uh, you're probably better off sticking with those DVDs as well. Yep, going to have to track down that art box uh, somewhere and just <laughs> slip them in there. Yeah. Uh, you can buy it on Steam, apparently. But, uh, yeah, so overall, yeah, I think, w- w- I mean, when you have titles like like Standalone Complex and, and Full Metal Alchemist and Eureka 7 on, on Bionics, it's kind of hard to compete with that. But, um I mean, Anime Current had, I mean, you have, you have Paranoia Agent, uh, at the, like, that alone, uh, I gotta give it, oh, I gotta get praise for that. And, I mean, of that course. for, like, five shows on, yeah. like, any other network. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, uncensored nudity and swearing. Uh, that, that def- definitely gives major points to Anime Current. Mm-hmm. Although, looking at the Anime Unleashed, uh, you know, block on the American side, I do have to call out two shows in particular. Uh, Magical Shopping Arcade, Abinabashi, and and Razafon. Two shows that, when I was making my rankings, I was ranking everything on a 1 to 5 system. I gave each of those shows a 10. On a 1 to 5 system? 
on a one to five system. So obviously, uh, in its final years, G4 kind of fell apart. Um, it was falling apart even before the U.S. station closed its doors in 2014. Uh, but you know, it. it Why well, you mean like reruns of Campus PD and uh, and Man Tracker weren't bringing them in? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it was a total it was a total zombie station for its last few years, and it, it the only reason it existed was to. Uh, to rake in subscriber fees from being packaged with other channels. And now that that's less viable than it was before, I guess it just finally reached a point where Rogers found it was unprofitable to, to keep it going. Granted, the fact that they were able to find it profitable to keep it going for so long uh, is really telling about how, how cable works in Canada. But uh, They must have just been squatting on that channel. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. one of the most notorious channels for that. The Biography Channel, which uh, which rogers owned um their tactic was to turn that into viceland and rebrand it and uh actually you know get canadian production going and then or, or have production made in canada to keep to make the canadian version of the station viable and then export it to the u.s which is a really really interesting tactic even though apparently things aren't uh going too hot for that station right now um the 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 trend is still to rebrand these stations but with g4 they just they just got rid of it, and that's something that I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of uh, in the future. We will, uh, we'll have to see. But, uh, but yeah, do you do you think that if they, you know, had a vision for G4 Tech TV, do you think that, you know, something like that could even have been viable anymore at this point? Uh, the their gaming program had kind of fallen apart, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that there really is a place for a tech TV anymore uh, or that kind of content as much as we like to look back on it. What do you, what do you think, Jarvis? Oh, it's it's dead. It's never been more <laughs> dead for something like Tech TV to exist. YouTube killed it. Uh, you just can't have something like Tech TV in a world where, you know, as soon as a review goes out, it's already obsolete. Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, apparently Victor Lucas from uh, Electric Playground uh, pitched rebranding the station as Electric Playground Network, but that got that got shot down. I miss Victor. I uh, I wonder what he's doing right now. Uh, he's on Twitter, so <laughs> I'm not I'm uh, not I'm not sure that. what he's up to. Yeah. If they had had the foresight to have like a late night, you know, Dungeons and Dragons sort of, uh, you know, programming block, getting some interesting people playing. I don't even play Dungeons and Dragons, and I would uh, I would tune in like hell for that. I'm surprised no one has tried doing that yet. Um, but I guess that would depend entirely on the personalities. Uh, I I just don't think you could convince anybody to put up the money for that, unless you got like Wizards of the Coast or ha- you know Hasbro to you know, <laughs> shell out you know buckets of money for it. You know, no TV station is gonna want to you know bet their dollars on that bringing people in. Are Are you talking about like just filming people playing Dungeons and Dragons at a table? Because, I mean, like, the low cost yeah. of doing that would probably, you know, m- maybe make it worth considering. I mean, I can listen to my brother and his friends talk about their uh, D&D campaign, uh, you know, for hours. Then again, they're doing crazy shit, so you would have to. That might be better suited for a podcast or a radio program. Mm, quite possibly. Yeah. And uh, also worth mentioning, uh, I know I mentioned that Viceland is one of the stations run by Rogers right now, and they're kind of... You know, it's not going quite as well as they expected to, but um, the UK version of Viceland has started an anime block, and you know, after things kind of fell apart with uh, with Anime Current on on 
G4. I'm, I guess it's probably unlikely that they'd want to take it. Uh, Rogers would want to take a chance with anime on uh, on Vice Land, but uh, hey, I I think that would be worth a shot for sure. It's uh, it's not as good as getting it on uh, on CBC for sure, but uh, you know if they wanted to take a chance on it, I would I would totally watch that. Man, something just popped into my head now. I wonder if this is crazy, but just hear me out. I wonder uh, the, if the, cra- crazy proposals for for things like anime on TV are totally what this show is all about. Okay, I wonder if Crunchyroll could be convinced to uh, you know buy a programming block and run things. Well, they kind of did that once. Do you remember their Crunchyroll Christmas special from a couple years ago? That was on TV. I thought that yeah, was just. They, oh, well, shit. I did not know that. What they did was they actually purchased brokered time, like like time that's usually reserved for infomercials, um, and just ra- and they ran the Christmas special as a half hour infomercial on on various uh, shows, and they they bought the time on spe- they specifically bought the time on stations like Spike TV so that it would show up on Canadian uh, network or it, it, so that Canadians could could watch it on TV as well because uh, many cable. Uh, carriers uh, still carry Spike TV as well. I guess that makes so that sense. A... You can't really call yourself a true Christmas special unless you make it on proper TV. But hey, may- I mean, maybe there's something to that tactic. Maybe maybe Crunchyroll can just imitate the Jap- what they've been doing in for years in Japan, which is basically just running anime as brokered content on it. Actually, that was a, a sci-fi network when they had a uh, an anime block running in the States. About uh, seven or eight years ago, that was actually bro- that was a brokered block. Uh, they, I remember. They, I did not yeah. get that on our side, but uh, it, it had some we, good uh, we shows did, we on did, there. We did we did we did not get it up here. In fact, I think a lot of that content showed up on Super Channel, uh, which uh, I'm willing to bet that fewer people in Canada have access to Su- Super Channel than they did to the U.S. version of the Sci-Fi Network, which is not available here. Uh, but yeah, def- I, I think when you're looking at that particular time period. Um, you know, a lot of stuff can be encapsulated in that time. And uh, anime current overall, I think, is a pretty good uh, is a pretty good summation of of kind of what what was going on, pe- what people expected from anime on TV, and uh, what stations were you know at that time willing to deliver. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a cool thing to look back on for sure. It's uh, you know it's sad that G4 has shut down, but it's uh, it's I think it's definitely uh, gone past its expiration. Uh, point at this time so at least we'll have uh their anime offerings to look back on for for years to come yeah no when uh i think it was you mentioning on twitter that uh, g4 was going away and i had to think wait g4 is still around yep that's the appropriate reaction <laughs> okay jarvis uh i think that wraps us up for today uh big thanks for coming on the show and thanks to everyone for tuning into zonan canada uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Zonan Canada or email zonancanada at gmail.com. And Jarvis, where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me at, at Jarvis underscore Gray, uh, where I will be talking about the often terrible anime that I'm watching and sometimes the very occasional good anime. Mostly terrible, though. Yeah, ch- check him out. And that is uh, Gray spelled G-R-A-Y as well. That's correct. Theme song is by Ultraclystron, uh, that can be found on his album Packet Flood, uh, which you can buy at ultraclystron.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice, and leave a rating or review if you if you have a chance. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again!